0: The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. Amen to that. You are loved. And uh, let me pray as I begin. Lord, uh, you know our hearts, and uh, who am I uh, to stand here share your most beautiful message? Thank you for the softening of my heart that you did many years ago. Pray that our hearts will be softened today to hear the good news of your gospel of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I am Tyler's dad, and I am a pastor. I've been a pastor for, amazingly, 23 and a half years. Uh, Got saved uh, 25 years ago. That's a very strange part of my story. But more importantly, I I just have to... Many of you know me because I've been here. This is my sixth time standing here to teach story sitter city and I uh I love this church if for no other reason than I pray for you every day because my son is a, a pastor here and that when you pray for something you learn to love it in the Lord and my story is that I grew up very dysfunctionally um I turned away from anything God early in my life because I am I I like fun uh to a fault and uh I turned to drugs and alcohol in eighth grade, and uh, by the time I was 19, I was shooting heroin, which is my drug of choice. I became a proclaimed atheist for uh, the next 15 years, Um, got married, became a much more functional addict. I quit shooting drugs, but I continued to pop, snort, smoke, drink, whatever I could get my hands on, because I never learned how to handle life on life's terms apart from being high, and uh, the peace that those drugs and alcohol brought brought me in a brief moment of time that became my greatest tragedy over time. But I did uh, eventually get arrested, as happens to drug addicts, and I uh, uh, was forced into this thing called recovery because if I didn't get into it, I was going to prison for 10 years. I was a serious criminal. And uh, in these recovery rooms, interestingly enough, at the end of every meeting of AA, if you don't know, Everybody in the room holds hands and prays the Lord's Prayer, the first prayer I ever really prayed in my life. Um, and uh, slowly but surely, God began to get through to me, and I uh, eventually went to church with my family, and, and I got saved. And that's the story you're going to hear today, the story of God's grace towards one man and his family. <laughs> Sorry. I do this every time here. Um, so... Today we're going to look at what uh, is my favorite word in the English language, and it's it's what I often talk to here. Four out of the six messages that have been around this particular word, and it's my favorite word in English language. It's the word language. It's the word grace. And uh, This word is a noun, if you punch it into Webster's, which I did again this morning. It's really fascinating that the number one descriptor of the word grace in Webster's dictionary, even in our day and age, is the unmerited divine assistance given to humans for their regeneration and sanctification. Now, I'll guarantee you, 90% of the world, maybe many of you here today, look at that and go, I don't even know what that means, Uh, but it's the number one descriptor of this word grace grace. And I have studied it more than any other word, because you've heard my story. And uh, as soon as I began to hear about that, which is what I'm going to teach about today, it began to change my life. And it began to draw me into something that I knew I needed. And so it is with all of us today. I hope many of you will be, everybody will be encouraged, no matter where you are in your walk with Jesus. But some of you might be really, really enlightened in some marvelous ways today, and that is my prayer. Um, so one of my early mentors as i was forced into this weird thing called the church as a pastor uh, two years uh in knowing the lord never prayed out loud yet and they made me a pastor now that's crazy but it is a bible believing church which is crazy as well but um one of my mentors who was a, a a southern baptist pastor for 38 years at that point i never will forget it he said you know he's just talking about grace and I'm on this journey, and he says, if I was going to define the word grace, I would define it as God's power. And so I'm going to use that term today to kind of give us a foundation for what this word actually means, because obviously it's his divine assistance to humans, uh, but it also takes his power to accomplish anything. And... Um, The Greek word for power, the number one by far in the New Testament is the Greek word dunamis. It's the word we get dynamite from. And uh, here's a picture of, uh, I actually was blessed and I guess it's meaningful to me that this Greek word is dunamis because I was a driller and I worked with dynamite in Alaska for a season of my life. And this is just a picture of uh, one of the blasts that I had a part in setting off. But there's no doubt about it, on a worldly plane, I understand the power of a little stick of dynamite. And of course, as a guy who likes fire and explosives and fun, uh, that was a great job for me. (laughs) Because uh, I love to watch that blow up into the sky and rocks fly a mile uh, high and a mile wide. But uh, today, it's that power I want to talk about, the power to have an eternal, unearthly power work in your life. See, I oversee a ministry, it's a recovery ministry. May you hear no pride in this statement. It's one of the largest and most recognized of its kind in the world. And in the last 17 years of weekly meetings, we now have over 450 people who come every week. And they come in weakness. And you know what? That doesn't happen anywhere because nobody comes into recovery on a winning streak. They actually are at a point in their life where they're admitting they have something going on in their life that they would like to change. And it's a beautiful setting when somebody comes into a room going, I'm broken and I need God. I need Jesus. Amazing things begin to happen. But this is the verse that I chose from the very beginning, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, as the foundation of our ministry and that is he said my grace is sufficient for you for my power god's power is made perfect in weakness and therefore i will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses why so that christ's power may rest on me and so we come into these rooms of recovery boasting of our weaknesses hi i'm a drug addict publicly crazy nobody does that Why? So that Christ's power may rest on me and I may not be a drug addict anymore. I might find the freedom and the power that Christ offers me to break those horrible patterns in my life. Friends, the entire story of God, our Creator, is centered around Jesus Christ and His broad and deep word called grace. It's a mystery. It's been called a scandal. It's been called uh, uh, unbelievable that it could possibly be true, but it is true. And it is enough for every one of us to receive not only eternal life, but that regeneration and sanctification that would transform whatever's happening in our life that makes us fear God to where we know that God is real and we can approach him with confidence. And we're going to hear more about that in a minute. So I want to ask you a question as I begin um, and I ask you to close your eyes, if you would, for me. And this is a defining question about what you believe about God today. And I'm going to offer this hypothetical. In your own head, in your own spirit, I want you to imagine that you were to die today and go up and meet God. And you meet him, and he says, hey, he calls you by name, and he goes, I'm real. And everything you ever wondered about me is about to be revealed to you, because I'm exactly who I am. And heaven's right over my shoulder here, and why should I let you into my heaven? what's your answer? What's your brain saying to you right this second that you would say to God as to why he would let you into his heaven for eternity and to be received by his love? Hold what you're thinking. I'm going to get back to it in a moment. But let me be honest, for 42 years of my life, I lived in a very confused and perplexing status regarding what I would have said to God. But everything began to shift for me around 1994. You see, I was had moved to Central California and I was working for this corporation and I was training people and I was training this man and I was sitting in front of a 7-Eleven in Merced, California when everything began to shift because this man began to share today's message with me. And he began, God began to open my ears, and I'll never forget it. I didn't even believe what he told me that day. In fact, I kind of called him an idiot because I was his boss, and I said, that's not possible because, you see, I had it all figured out in my head. I had, I had decided what God was through human lenses and a human understanding, and it's what most people, I find, think about God. And it was logical, but it was, God isn't a God in this message of logic. He's a God of grace. So, uh, I'm going to use the acrostic. If you take notes, just write G-R-A-C-E on your page. But I'm going to make five points here quickly. And uh, we're going to use the acrostic grace. And uh, the beauty of God's grace is that G stands for it's God's gift to us. Now, that's not what I thought, but that's what this guy started to explain to me, but the truth is, we can't earn it, we can't deserve it, we can't barter for it, and way most important because of the way I thought it worked, I can't do anything to earn it, because that's what I believed up to this point this guy began to share with me. In fact, it's God's gift to us. Now, that's a pretty incredible thought if you think about the God of the universe who created you offering you a free gift of grace, and that day, this man began to tell me, but I didn't believe it. I, I, I asked questions, but I pushed back pretty hard, and I walked away that day not believing. But very soon thereafter, I was in a church, and I heard a guy share something along these lines, and everything shifted as I instantly knew it was true, because I was regenerated, and, I became, and the Holy Spirit came into me and said, it's true, now go preach it. Because this is the message I want the world to hear. So together, let's look at Ephesians 2.8, which tells us this truth. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved. To be saved I'm just, means a whole lot more than just eternal life on a temporal plane, but I want us to just accept that it's the greatest gift of all kind because this life's 80 years, eternity's forever, and it is by grace that we receive eternal life. Why is grace my favorite word? Because... It's the good news. And I'm sure most of you here know that the gospel, you've heard that term over and over and over again, especially if you come to church, it means good news. And this is the centerpiece of why the gospel is good news, because God doesn't require you to work for anything. He just offers you the free gift of grace. And this is what that man explained to me that day that blew me away. He explained that God is a God who offers the free gift of unconditional forgiveness and he told me I didn't have to do one thing to receive it. And he offered it to me that day, but I went, no, I, don't, I don't, can't really put my arms around that. I don't believe it, so I'm not going to receive it today. Today, I thank God that the Bible teaches us that our relationship is not bought or earned. It's simply a free gift from God through his amazing grace. But, and... and it says it right here, just to be clear in that same verse. It says it is the gift of God, and God doesn't lie, so, and if you, his words makes it very clear. But here's the challenge. Not everybody receives it. So how, and if, if it's a free gift, what does a human being have to do to receive it? And that's the R. It's simply received through faith. And look at what God tells us later in that verse. You have, it is by grace you've been saved. How? through faith. It's what we call saving faith. It's what happened to me a couple weeks after this guy began to tell me what I'm telling you today. It's simply by believing the Bible is true. And this is the one reason Jesus rocked the world of man-made, logical, false religion 2,000 years ago, and he still does. Every other religion is bad news. It's religion. It says you have to do something to earn God's grace. It says you have to become something to get to heaven. Every other religion preaches that, and that's bad news for any one of us because, especially if you live my life, I was never getting there, as you'll hear in a minute. But it would only be a few weeks before I heard that this was all true and I'd been wrong. For all those years trying to figure out logically in my head, one of the great verses that speaks to this is Philippians three nine, and it says, "No longer count on being saved by being good enough or obeying God's laws, but by trusting Christ to save me." For God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith, counting on Jesus Christ alone. There's the gospel. This is the truth of how God's works, and it's a free gift through faith, and it's not. Human, because no human would think in this performance-based world that that could possibly be true. And every other belief, you name it, is a religion born out of our logical human brain that says if we do good, we get good, and if we do bad, we get punishment. That's the home you grew up in at some level. It's the world you live in right now, every day, on some level. And that's the way our human brains think about it. Good, things go good. Bad punishment. I urge you today to not be like I was for 42 years in my human thinking. And uh, this is why we got to read the Bible. we got to come to church. we got to hear about grace. Because God set up a much, much, much better, greater economy of how his love is received and given. So today, please hear, heaven is God's gift. We receive it freely by faith. Faith. And next, once we receive the gift, the A tells us that we're embraced by the fact that we're accepted into God's love. Not because of who we are. That wouldn't get us very far. Or let me, I won't take your inventory. It wouldn't get me very far. And we're accepted because of who God is. And he is love, just as 1 John told us this morning by coincidence. Romans 5 8 tells us that God t- demonstrated his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And possibly for me, the most affirming of all proofs of this love, it's found through his grace in Hebrews 4, where it tells us that God's word is sharper than a double-edged sword. It divides us, it tears us, it reveals the, th- uh, the, uh, uh, the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. Whew, that's a pretty scary thing to me if I'm honest and real before a holy God. You know, a friend of mine says uh, when he preaches that if my thoughts were to roll up on that screen every, every minute of what I'm exactly thinking, this place would be clear because nobody would want to be around me. Sorry, again, I'm not taking your inventory, but that's true of you too. So God's Word is sharper than a double-edged sword. It says nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight, including your thoughts. Now, when I get real, that scares me because I know what, the way I think sometimes. No, the way I behave because of the way I think sometimes. But the scripture goes on to say that we have Jesus who went through the heavenly, who came to earth and understood every temptation we've ever had, and yet was without sin. And then it says this, that we can run from fear in God. No, it says we can approach God with confidence so that we can do what? We can receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. So that's the beautiful thing that once we have this grace, we're accepted into God's love, and we don't have to fear God anymore. In fact, we can approach him with confidence, knowing the way we think, knowing the way we behave sometimes, so that the regeneration and the sanctification can become real, because if you don't approach him with those weaknesses, he'll never change them. That's why we say, I am a drug addict, publicly, because I don't want to ever go back there. And it's, it's an honesty and a power that rests on me that keeps me in that particular area. And so it can be with any weakness. So um, you have to understand, based on Hebrews 4 there, that, that before Jesus, nobody ever, 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 ever approached God with confidence. Never. They read about Isaiah in Isaiah 6. They fall on their face in fear. Who am I? I'm a man of unclean lips. I wish it was only my lips, because the Bible says my lips reflect my heart, but my lips don't reflect my heart all the time, because if my thoughts were on that screen, I don't speak that. I hide it. And that's where we've got to approach God, because of his grace. So, why is this all true? How could it possibly be true that God would save a wretch like me? Simply because Christ paid the price. And this is the gospel. God knew that we would blow it. God knew that there would be only one answer to how we could ever come before a holy God, that we'd ever be able to see him, and that was through an amazing sacrifice on his part. He sent his one and only Son, who himself is God, to die for our sins, so that through faith in him we can receive all his love and grace. And 750 years, it's a long time. I'm a time freak. Uh, 750 years before Christ, the prophet Isaiah spoke of this coming truth, that Christ would come as a suffering God who was sacrificed for our futures. And he said this, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. He would be the sacrificial lamb of God who had to die once and for all, and he did not come into the world to condemn us like I once thought. Jesus himself, John 3, he did not come to condemn the world. He came to save us from our sins. And boy, did I need that and still do. Ephesians 1.7 says this, In Christ we are set free by the blood of his death, and so we have forgiveness of sins. How rich is God's grace? It's kind of the question this morning. How rich is God's grace to you? so rich that it will provide you even the faith to believe because it is God's gift to you that you would even believe this story. And that was how he began to reach me all those years ago when this guy told me this story that I didn't yet believe. And finally, the last letter, the E, describes his love. And friends, it's an everlasting love, a covenantal love. We don't really understand covenant in our world because we're so broken, nobody keeps their word anymore. <laughs> There's very few people who who keep their word in all the ways. We see it in marriages. We see it everywhere. We see the lawyers taking over and breaking, they're, they're allowing us to break our covenants. So. But it is an everlasting love that can never be broken. A covenant in God's eyes means permanently sealed for sure. And did you know that uh, God's love is found in some form as unbreakable, covenantal, everlasting over 70 times in the scriptures? Just 35 times we're told this, quote, his love endures forever. Now, that's, just, that's not just on an etern- a temporal plane. That's an eternal plane. And this is so important for us who continue to sin and want to go back to that human thinking that says, he's mad at me, he's going to take me out, he's going to punish me. And so I run from him rather than approach him with my brokenness and my weakness with confidence. And make no mistake, once we've received the gift, we're sealed for the day of redemption, the Bible tells us. His love in our lives will endure forever And over and over he tells us that because we need to hear it over and over. I need to hear it over and over. And I'll just tell you this, if you've never taught God's Word, this is the greatest of blessings because the teacher learns the most. And I teach this lesson a couple times a year because I know the world needs it, but I need it every bit as much as any person in the world too. And I need to hear this message. And this is great news. And this is why Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. It's not bad news that you get punished if you mess up. No, you just need to approach the throne of confidence, grace with confidence, to receive mercy and find grace in the time of need. Don't run from God. He isn't mad at you. He wants you to bring your sin to him so that he can forgive it and bring his power through grace into your life. So, let me take you back to that question I asked you at the beginning. What was your answer? Hugely important. And what would you say as to why God should let you into heaven? I find there's three groups. Um, I'm going to address the first two here because I know them well. This was the insanity of my life for 42 years. And I wrestled and answered inside my spirit the answer to that question in one of two ways. And I ask this question a lot, amazingly, all over the world now. God has opened the doors to so many places. And, you know, the number one answer I hear, and I ask this question a lot, even inside the church is what I call the works answer, I tried. And if in your spirit you said, well, God, I, I tried. I've tried to be a good person. And I trust that if you're loving, then that, that'll get me into heaven when I die. And, and I, I find that as the number one answer because that's a logical answer. That's the way the world works, and it's what I believed most of my life. It's as if there's some set of eternal scales up there, and, and God's up there as the judge and the, and the punisher, and he's sitting there watching every thought, every action, and he's putting it right on one side of the scales for you specifically. Ooh that wasn't good. Ooh. ooh, there was another. Ooh, another oh, another. oh, but wait, that was nice. That was nice. <laughs> and that's religion, folks. That is bad news, especially when you consider that to get into heaven, you have to be holy as he is holy, because the first time you sin, you don't get heaven anymore, according to scriptures. So that doesn't work. But if that's your thought today, and that's what you answered when I asked you that question, then there's some good news to be had today. The other Answer that I find, and and this was where I ended up that day as I sat before that man in front of that 7-Eleven in Merced, I had decided God would not have me because I knew it doesn't matter if it was a, a balance. My balance was so out of whack that there was no way I'd ever work my way to heaven. And so that led me into the insanity of atheism. Because if there was a God, I knew he wouldn't have me. So my logical human brain said, I'll just pretend he doesn't exist. He must not exist. And I completely convinced myself of that for many years. And that didn't work either. Because my addiction just got worse and worse and worse. And God knew someday he was going to find me, use me, and that addiction would become a ministry to thousands of people. Go figure. If that isn't grace, I don't know what is. So... Today, if you were either one of those people and you were still kind of, I'm still trying, I'm still trying, I'll get it right, God, or no, I've messed up my life with all the millions of things that human beings do to mess up their lives on planet Earth in L.A. today, and they're voluminous to say the least, I've, I've dabbled in every one of them, guys, then I want you to tell you that today you've heard the good news. There's nothing you can do to earn it or deserve it, and there's nothing you can do to disappoint God once you've received him. So let's close our eyes one more time and pray with me. Lord, in a crowd this size, thank you for Story City Church. I was sharing this morning, as you know, with somebody in this room how desperately the gospel is needed in Burbank, California where people are chasing the world in ways that, uh, yeah, I can't even comprehend it here. It, it's really, really different in L.A. And so the, the world is sucking us up and spitting us out. And every time we sin, Lord, uh, we get afraid of you if we don't know your grace. So if you're here today and you've heard the good news for the first time, this prayer isn't in the Bible, but it's it's what you need to say to God. You need to be humble. Would you just pray this prayer to God? Uh if you know you need his grace today, like I did 26 years ago. And, and just say to God, God, I've, I've heard some really, really good news today that maybe I could have eternal life in spite of the way I've lived my life. And today I, I want to be forgiven. And today I will turn as, and uh, praise the Lord who paid my debt and raised my life, just like we sang, Lord. Because it's true for every one of us who know you. And today I trust that there's somebody in this room who's going to pray that prayer. If you're one of the people who just said, oh man, I ended up here by accident and I didn't know. (sighs) I've messed up my life. The scales are tipped. And today, Lord, I've heard there's no scales. You're not up there weighing everything I say or do anymore. And I want to blow those scales to pieces by asking Jesus into my life. I just ask you either one of these groups to come into my life with your power regenerate me sanctify me whatever those words mean and and come into my life lord jesus and i ask this with sincerity and honesty before a holy god in jesus name amen now with every eye closed i, I would be remiss it, it, you can't be ashamed of the gospel if you're here and you know you needed that prayer and you prayed it would you just raise your hand nobody's watching you but me I see you. I see you. Four, five, six, any in seven? Great. Hallelujah. Any over here? All right. Well, you know what? Whether you raised your hand or not, if you prayed the prayer, it's done. Because that's how gracious our God is. And don't ever regret it or doubt it. Because there's something, a couple things I want to close. Because now I'm going to trust that nobody could have rejected the good news like I did for so much of my life. And that every person in this room is now... In the family, a follower of Jesus Christ, and you're answered when you go to heaven, because we're all, it's for once man to live and die and then the judgment. And judgment, oh no, I don't want to be judged by God. Today, you go to a different place than a non believer, and when God, you stand before God, He's going to say, that day, whenever it was, and may for seven or eight of you been that day at Story City Church, you received my son. Come on in. That's why I sent him. And that's your answer. There's nothing I could ever do to earn it or deserve it because I got to be holy to get into that place. And I'm not holy. I wasn't holy, and neither was any other human. But today, I get in because of Jesus Christ and my simple act of faith in following him. And I want to close with that picture of dynamite. If we can go back to that, that's a real blast. I don't know, several thousand sticks of dynamite. And that was the Alaska Pipeline. Not politically correct, but I did work on it. And something important that you need to remember about that particular blast and God's power. We were burying the pipeline at that point, and we were digging into permafrost. It was frozen so hard that the most powerful backhoe known to mankind couldn't dig into the permafrost. So we drilled holes, and we filled them with dynamite, and we did that. Fun. Fun. But what happened is what I want you to analogize and understand today. The ground, the permafrost, was blown to pieces never to return to its original state ever again. It ended up in piles, like 20 feet high from the blast. But equally important, there's a metaphor here. We buried a pipeline that was not there before that carried energy, power, to millions of people all over the United States of America that began to flow through that pipeline. Today, we walk out of here, every one of us, with a transformed life that should never be returned to what it once was because of the power of God that came into our lives at some point, through His grace. So whether you're a believer and you've been struggling and you, 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 you've turned your back on God and you know you need to come back, come back. Approach His throne of confidence with, 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 and receive His mercy and grace and be restored. He's just waiting. And then never go back. And if you do, come back again. But many of you, there were a bunch of hands. Today, you receive that grace for the first time just like i did 26 years ago and here's only time's going to tell it's not easy to change your life and become holy i still haven't got that down but i do know that jesus who helps me be sanctified and regenerated because i have the holy spirit that lives in me and today if you prayed that prayer it says the holy spirit of god came into your life and regenerated you and he will sanctify you which means set apart which means you will continue to grow in your love for Jesus. And I want to close. There's one, I forgot this. There's one, I want everybody to read this verse out loud. It's John 6:47. I like to seal the deal with anybody who prayed that prayer or any of us, because this says there's no works. There's no need to live up to a standard to receive Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said in John 6:47. read it out loud, everybody. I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. There's no caveat. There's no asterisk. There's no performance. Today, we just believe. Let's sing.